Christmas. Just when I thought it was safe to say good morning. Here we are again. Good afternoon. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Aaron. Uh, I'm one of the elders here at Grace Church, and I'm really excited to be bringing God's word to us this afternoon. Now, as Isadora has just read for us, today we're going to be looking at the book of 1 Peter, specifically chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. So we're kind of continuing on in our mini-series where we've been focusing on some things that are important to us here at Grace Church. And the topic uh, from the passage that we've just read that we're going to be focusing on this morning is that of serving. And if we're honest, I think sometimes serving is not something that always comes naturally to us. Maybe it's not top of the list of the things we want to do when we're planning out our weekend. You can probably tell by looking at me, but for me, one thing I love to do is I love to go out and eat when I'm thinking about how to plan my weekend. But if I went to a restaurant and the waiter came around and he said to me, what would you like to eat? And I gave him my order and then he said, great, what we're going to do is we're going to lay out all the ingredients in the kitchen so you can come on out, you can make the food, and then you can serve yourself at the table and eat it. Now, if that happened, I'd be a little bit miffed because when we go to a restaurant, we pay restaurant prices because we want to be served. It's nice to be served. But this morning, what we're going to be looking at this afternoon, see my wife just shaking her head. This afternoon, what we're going to be looking at is that whilst it is definitely nice to be served, actually, it is crucially far more important that we serve others. So as I've said, we're going to walk through um, the book of, uh, sorry, not the whole book, 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, verses 7 to 11, starting with verse 7. So we'll work through verse by verse. So if you could open uh, verse 7 and read along with me. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Now, when I was 18 years ago old, which was a long, long time ago, I started in full-time employment. And I, re I remember as kind of part of the induction week, uh, we had a briefing on the fact that the company that I was going to work for was going to be giving us a pension. And the company were going to contribute a certain amount of money to this pension, but also from my salary, they were going to take money from my salary and also put that towards my pension. And I remember thinking at the time, what on earth do I need a pension for? My retirement is literally forever away. If anything, I think I was probably a little bit annoyed about the fact that they'd be contributing from my pension out of my salary. But there was a guy that started work with me at the same time who I thought was kind of ancient. Truth is, he's probably a few years younger than I am now. But he was super excited about the fact we were going to be getting this, this, this pension and, and that they would be doing this for us. He was, he was over the moon. He wouldn't, like, I remember for the first few weeks working there, he just wouldn't stop going on about it. He was constantly talking about this great company pension that we'd be receiving. And I just didn't get it. And the difference between the two of us was perspective. For me, the problem of retirement, it seemed so far away that essentially 
it was irrelevant to me. My financial priorities were entirely, do I have enough money for Friday night? I was not thinking about my retirement, which was hundreds of years away. But for him, he was halfway through his working life, which now I can attest had gone like the blink of an eye. He knew that actually the problem of facing life without employment was one that was coming up upon him quite soon, maybe in 20 years or so. So he had a sense of urgency. Consider then what Peter is trying to convey to us when he tells us the end of all things is at hand. Not in 20 years' time, but at hand. That could even mean this evening. He's giving us a very real and a very stark reminder that God's plan is rapidly approaching its culmination. So why is Peter doing that in these verses? Is he doing it to instill within us a sense of panic? I don't think so. Rather, what I think Peter is doing in making this statement is he's highlighting the importance of what he's about to say, both in the rest of this verse, but also in the whole passage that we're going to be reading this morning. So he's highlighting the importance of us being sober-minded and self-controlled, and he's highlighting the importance of how we should serve one another. Because firstly, if we do not walk intentionally in a way that is self-controlled and sober-minded, then inevitably we end up walking in sin. And unless we come back to Jesus, unless we come back and repent, then what Peter's saying is there's no reason for us to expect our prayers to be answered. This is what Peter is saying here in verse 7, where he says, be, so, sorry, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. And then if we're walking with Jesus, then what we're going to see in the coming verses is that what Peter is doing is he's giving us a call to arms. He is trying to ignite within us a sense of urgency to, despire, to, 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 to uh, inspire a deep sense of intentionality about our actions in our service to one another. And he's pointing to the fact that what we do now, both in resisting sin, in praying, in every act of service, no matter how small, it holds eternal significance. Because if we truly understand and if we truly believe that we're in the final moments of God's grand plan, then our prayers, our words, our actions, our service towards one another will look radically different than if we don't. So this opening verse, this should set us on the right foot in seeing that what we're looking at this afternoon is not just something that we should be considering. Rather, what we're looking at this morning, this afternoon, is of paramount importance. Because I think sometimes there's a temptation to think, well, maybe I'll get more actively involved in church next year when things have died down a little bit. Maybe when I've finished uni, or maybe when work slows down, or maybe when the kids have grown up a bit more. But what you see is there's never a good time. 
For others of us, maybe we think, well, I am serving. I'm serving hard. But does me turning up faithfully week in and week out actually hold any significance? Does it make any difference to anybody? Should I instead just be going out and enjoying myself with this time that I'm giving to serving? Or maybe I should spend the time catching up on extra sleep. And Peter's answer to both of these sentiments is very simple. The end is near. What we do now, our choices we make today, carry eternal weight. So let's see what Peter says about serving in the next verse. So we'll just read verse 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Now, this is going to embarrass her, which I'm going to enjoy. But my wife, Natasha, is amazing. She serves our family so, so well. And she is shaking her head at me violently for the second time this evening. But for me, she is a great example of a Proverbs 31 woman. She organizes our family. She shows all of us love and kindness and compassion and care. She makes sure that we all eat. She makes sure some of us eat very well. She goes out to work. She cares for more animals than I think the average zoo has. <laughs> She's constantly opening our home up and showing hospitality. Ultimately, in all that she does, what Tash does is she is showing us what it is like to follow Jesus. Like I say, she is amazing. But if I were to ask her, Tash, why do you do all of this? And her answer was, well, it's simple. It's my duty. Then I think I'd feel two things. I think firstly, if that was her answer for why she did this, I'd feel quite sad because it would be amazing for her to serve us as well as she does out of a sense of duty. But what I love most about the way that she serves me and serves our family is the fact that she is doing it out of love, both for Jesus and for our family. The fact that she does it out of love is what makes it precious. Especially we kind of live in this age now with so much technology and AI and we carry around these kind of supercomputers in our pocket. This sort of stuff can do all sorts of tasks for us that make life easy. But these things don't evoke any sort of emotional response within us. Service without love just makes things more efficient, more convenient. But of course, that falls a long, long way short of what we experience from Tash in our family. When these things are done with love, they take on a whole new meaning. The service that we're given, the service that we give others, when it's done in love, it is amplified beyond measure. So that would be my first response. And my second response, if she said, the only reason I serve you in this way is out of duty, is I wouldn't actually believe her. Not just because, of course, how could you not love us as a family, but actually also to serve in the way that Tash serves us with such excellence, such dedication and care over such a long period of time has to be powered by something greater than duty. In this way, love is like the fuel for her service towards us. 
And I'm sure she'll tell you that there are times that the fuel runs low. Maybe even this morning. Because we can be pretty challenging and sometimes we can all be pretty unlovable. But actually, Tash can go back to Jesus and look to the cross and see and feel and experience how he has loved her, how he loves her, and as she receives the love of Jesus, what that does is it fills her up again to continue to serve. And this is exactly how Paul is calling us to serve here at Grace Church. To love first out of the abundance that Jesus has poured out on us. As he often does, the Apostle Paul puts it very bluntly in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, where he says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. He's not saying just, as I have said, that love magnifies our service, which it, of course, does. But actually what Paul is saying is that if we are serving without love, then actually all we're doing is making noise. We'd be better almost not to serve at all than we would be to serve lovelessly. And this is a, a really helpful reminder. Has anybody here ever woken up on a, on a, a Sunday or now on a Saturday morning and thought, oh, I'm on kids' work today? This kind of service does not please God. It does not bring glory to Jesus. It makes us just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So what is the solution? Well, firstly, I should say, because I can see Eric looking at me, the solution is definitely not to come off the kids' work rotor. Please don't hurt me, Eric. Definitely don't do that. Rather, just as I said for Tash, the solution is to go to the cross and experience the love of Jesus. We need to come to him open-handed, acknowledging that we need his love, we need his forgiveness where we fall short. And we need to see that at the cross, that was the greatest act of love, that was the greatest act of service and sacrifice that has ever occurred. It's where Jesus, the Son of God, willingly, he willingly bore the punishment, the weight of our sins, enduring unimaginable suffering in order to reconcile us to the Father. When we come to the foot of the cross, we encounter his profound love for us. Because it's at the cross that we find forgiveness, redemption. It's at the cross where we receive the eternal assurance of salvation. And it is here that we see the depth of Jesus' love for us and the ones that he died to save. I just take a moment just to reflect on that. Jesus loves you with a love that is beyond measure. He knows everybody here. He knows every flaw, every mistake, every sin. There's a lot of stuff to know, yet he loves us completely. To the extent that he suffered and he died. He was separated from the Father, which is a pain, again, as I've said, it's, it's, it's so unimaginable that we can't even comprehend it for the forgiveness of our sins. 
And as we receive, as we kind of embrace this love that Jesus has for us, by the power of the Holy Spirit, what it will do, it will begin to fill us such that we then could become vessels to pour this love out towards others, even when we're on kids' work. So when we're drained, when we're weary, when we're lacking in desire to serve, the answer is to look to the cross. Because it is here that we receive the powerful love that we need to continue to serve. And as we do, Jesus will fill us, he will renew us, and he will empower us to do what he's calling us to do. This is how we fulfill Peter's call to love one another earnestly. Okay, let's turn back to verse 9 and see what Peter says next. So verse 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, I think this is very much a fruit of loving others. When we love those we're serving, then naturally we're far less inclined to grumble when we're serving them. So I think our level of grumbling is actually quite a helpful measure at times to see whether we're serving in love or actually whether we're serving for other reasons. And as we seek more of God's love, we should be reminded of the truth of Colossians 3.23, which tells us this. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Because there's going to be times when we serve, and maybe we'll start serving, and we're feeling renewed, and we're feeling energized, and we're feeling full of God's love. And it feels like we're serving out of the overflow that he's given us. But then we get weary. And this could be for a number of reasons. Maybe we're just physically tired, or possibly the service that we're giving, we're not receiving the appreciation, or we're not, uh, it's not being received in the way that we're hoping. Or, or perhaps... We're seeing no fruit day in, day out. We're serving, but nothing seems to change. Or maybe we just keep messing up and we keep sinning. At times like this, the temptation is just to give up. But instead of giving up, what we see here in Colossians 3.23 is the truth that when we serve, we serve God himself. And when we see this truth, it changes everything. It means that all of a sudden, in our service, we're not just making cups of tea, or we're not just preaching a sermon, or we're not just setting the church up. Whatever it is, all of these things are really good things in and of themselves, but they fade into insignificance when we see that actually the things that we're doing in serving others are acts of worship to Jesus. And Jesus is worthy of all of our worship, because he is the one who holds the universe in his hands. He's the one who commands the stars to shine. He is the one who commands the oceans to roar. This very same majestic Jesus, he lowered himself from heaven to walk with us. And as I've just spoken about, in doing so, he humbled himself to the point of death, taking on flesh, taking on our struggles, taking on our pain, and he willingly bore the weight of sins on his own shoulders, upon the cross, enduring that agony of separation from the Father, not for his own sake, 
but for ours, to bring us redemption and to close the unbridgeable gap between us and the Father. This is the ultimate act of hospitality as he welcomes us into the presence of the Father at great, great cost to himself. When we see our service in this light, that all service is an act of worship of Jesus towards the one that would do this for us, what that will do is that will strengthen us to keep serving even at the toughest times. This will remove grumbling from our lips and hopefully will replace it with praise. More than this, in his kindness, God even gives us gifts to empower us to serve. Let's read verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now here we see God's grace displayed in the most remarkable way. If we know Jesus as our Lord, as our Savior, as our treasure, then we've been forgiven our sins. And as we've seen, we've been restored before God. So this is infinitely more than any of us deserve. This is infinitely more than we could hope for. But more than this, as we've just read, not only does God give us this, but he gives each of us a gift. And this is a gift from from God, who is the perfect father. We know that it's a gift that is going to be a good gift. Remember, Jesus died for us. We know that he's not going to withhold a good thing from us. So the gift that he gives us is going to bring us joy. And we're to use this gift in serving the church. And of course, as we've looked at, there are times where serving can be difficult. I'm not trying to say that that is not the case. By very nature of of serving, that's why it's called serving, it's, it's difficult. But even then, we can be assured that as we continue to serve, as we rely on the strength that he gives us to serve, then ultimately our service will bring us great joy. And Steve obviously covered last week in more detail about how we can kind of discover what our spiritual giftings may be. So I'm not going to explore that deeply here, but I will say don't get too hung up on discovering your specific gift at the expense of actually serving. And my friend Owen from our home group, he said something a couple of weeks ago that made me think, oh, wow, that is so true. He said, I'll often find myself praying about something, about whether I should serve in a particular area or not, but I never pray asking God before I'm about to sin, whether I should. We need to be quicker to jump into serving than we are to jump into sin. It's often through serving that we discover what gifts we have, what ways we bring most glory, what ways we receive most joy from serving. So by all means, pray Pray, pray, pray for yourself, for each other, that God would reveal what gifts you have to serve. But whilst you're praying, serve. Pray actively, not passively. We are all commended. No, we're not. We are, well, we are, but that's not what I'm trying to say. We are all commanded to serve. We are all commanded to love one another. So where there's need, meet it. And as you do, God will use you in the ways that he intends to. And when you do, seek after God for your strength in serving. 
As it says here in verse 10, we're stewards of God's grace. It's kind of like he gives us grace and we give it to other people. He gives us grace and we give it to others. That's, that's our job. We're stewards of what he's given us. We're not giving out of something that we've created. We're just giving what he's given to us. And as we serve, we should be serving as those who are seeking to bring glory to God. He will supply our every need. Peter then repeats this in the first half of verse 11. He says this, Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that every, in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. When you're tired, when you're weary, when you're just feeling kind of peopled out, again, come back to the cross where Jesus will refresh you, he will fill you, and he will strengthen you to do everything that he's called you to do. And the result of this, as we see in the second half of verse 11 here, this is all in order that everything God, that in everything, sorry, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is why we're called to serve. Not just because it's a nice or a kind thing to do, or because it's our duty. Ultimately, we are called to serve because it brings glory to God. Our chief end is the Westminster Catechism. Catechisms, easy for me to say, so beautifully says, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Do not let the wonder of that statement escape you. Our chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Every act of service, no matter how humble, no matter how grand, every act of service has the potential to bring honor and glory to our Heavenly Father. It's not about what we do, but it's about who we do it for. Our service is an expression of our love for Jesus. And it is in serving others that we make his name known and we bring the glory to him that he so rightfully deserves. You just pause for a moment and think about the gravity. Let the gravity of that just sink in. We, in spite of our sin, in spite of our fallibility, we have been entrusted with the role of bringing glory to the creator of the universe. Every one of us. Our role is to bring glory to the creator of the universe. How, how is that possible? There is no greater role than this. CEO of Apple? Nope. King of England? Nope. MVP for the greatest NBA team ever. No, it doesn't come close in majesty, in worth, or in honor than the role that we have of bringing glory to Jesus. In our own merit, is anyone in this room qualified to do this? I'm hoping you're all staying silent because you know the answer is no. None of our heavenly CVs match up to this job. We bring nothing to the table of our salvation but our sin. But in spite of this, God has ordained that our service and our love has the power 
to magnify his name and reflect his glory. Psalm 8 verses 4 and 5 capture this beautifully. It says this. What is man that you are mindful of him? Got a software update. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. It is staggering to think that God not only cares for us, but he crowns us with glory and honor. As we serve, as we participate in this divine partnership that he has invited us into, as we do this, as we work hand in hand with Jesus to display his goodness, to display his love, and to display his compassion to the world, as we do this, we are crowned in glory and honor. When we consider our role in bringing glory to God, it should be both humbling and awe-inspiring. We are mere vessels of, of, of clay. We, we carry, though, despite being vessels of clay, we carry something that is worth an infinite amount of treasure, the love of Christ within us. Through our service, what we do is we offer a glimpse of God's character and we declare his majesty to the world around us that so desperately, desperately needs to hear it. When we serve with love, we're reflecting the character of God. And as we do so, we should be drawing others to him. Our acts of service are testimonies to his goodness, his grace, and his love. Our ultimate purpose in serving is to exalt the name of Jesus and to bring glory to God. We were created to worship and to honor and to magnify him in everything that we do. And as we serve, God uses us to display his glory. It's not our own achievements that are magnified. What is magnified is the transformational work of Christ in us. And it is that that gets the spotlight. So Grace Church, let's serve with hearts that seek to lift high the name of Jesus, with actions and deeds that can be considered a living testimony to the goodness of God, knowing that when we serve others, we are fulfilling our highest calling to bring glory to the one who is worthy of all praise, honor, and adoration. So this morning, I think, this afternoon, I think we have seen five things that Peter's trying to show us in this passage. Firstly, serving is not something that we should be putting off until tomorrow. Jesus is coming back. This needs to be a reality to us. And he is calling us to serve today. As a... We don't serve maybe as sometimes my daughter does when we ask her to tidy the bedroom out of a threat of no pocket money, but we serve out of the overflow of the love that he has poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, every act of service is an act of worship. It's not man that we're serving, but rather it is Jesus. It's the very same Jesus who has shown us the ultimate act of service in going to the cross for our sake. Fourthly, we've seen that Jesus empowers us to serve by giving us the gifts and the abilities and everything that is required to do so. 
Serving can be difficult, but Jesus will provide us with everything that we need. And then finally, and and most mind-blowingly of all, when we serve, we bring glory to God. God who is worthy of all honor and all glory. When we're doing this, we're doing the very thing that we're created to do, which is why that when we bring glory to God, actually is the most satisfying, most joy-bringing activity that we can possibly be doing. So when you consider these five things, I think it's pretty clear that Paul is not suggesting that serving might be something we consider doing next year. Rather, it's very clear that what Paul is doing is he is issuing a call to action. Peter, not Paul. Peter is issuing a call to action to us today. So I think there's two ways that we should be asking ourselves, how does this call to action apply for me? And I think firstly, if you're serving, then I would ask, how are you serving? Are you serving out of love, trusting that God will provide for you and strengthen you? Or are you serving grudgingly out of duty? And if it's the latter, which I think is probably the case at times for all of us, then we need to come before the Lord and we need to repent. When we try to do things in our own power, we need to ask him to fill us and to empower us to bring glory to him. And secondly, if you are not currently serving here at Grace Church, then I would implore you to start. It will increase God's glory and it will increase your joy in him. There is literally no better way to spend your time. But you might be thinking, well, how do I serve? And there are two ways that I'm going to encourage you to serve. And the first way is actually to join a home group. So here at Grace Church, home groups are kind of how we seek to walk together through life, encouraging each other, following Jesus, pointing each other towards Jesus, praying for one another, meeting each other's needs. So make this a priority. Find a home group where you live, near where you live, and commit to attending each week and being fully plugged in. And Steve is going to be talking on this next week, I think. Yes, Steve is talking on this next week. Um, But we have home groups meeting all across the city. So hopefully there is one near where you're living that you can get to. At the end of the service, please visit the welcome desk where you can find information of home groups or email mail at gracechurchabudabi.com for more information, or I'm sure Steve will be giving us all the information come next week, and you'll find out how to get plugged in to home groups. So that's the first way that I would encourage you to serve. And the other way that I would encourage you to serve is to actively get involved in one of our task forces. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to introduce you one by one to each of the task forces or ministry areas Uh, the leaders that are actively seeking volunteers. So if you're willing and if you're able, then you can find them at the end of the service and they can tell you how you can get involved in serving. So firstly, Milosh, can I get you to stand? Stand just so everybody can see. Has everyone seen Milosh? Let's give him a round of applause. Why not? 
So Milos uh, leads the setup team. So they kind of basically ensure everything is ready every time we meet together. They're kind of lugging stuff around to get us set up, to get us set down, particularly when we're in the hotel. I think it was a particularly long shift. Now, you might be looking at Milos and think, do I need to be quite that stacked to serve on the setup team? The answer is no. And in fact, Milos was 60 kilos before he started. So if you want a body like Milos, join the setup team. Okay, so Milos for setup. Next up, sound. So Joe, can you wave your hand? Everybody look at Joe. So the sound team is one that we very rarely notice until a microphone starts screeching at us. But we very rarely notice them because they do such an amazing job. Now, you do not have to have a technical sound engineer background. Joe and his team will gladly give you the training. So Joe, if you want to join sound and keeping it in the family, Rochelle, can you stand? So Rochelle leads the welcome team, which I think is, I mean, all of these areas of service, as I said, are so important because they bring glory to Jesus. But the welcome team is so important. It is the first impression people have when they come to see Grace Church. So it's the first impression, the first chance to see, hopefully, how we are overflowing the love of Jesus. So please, if you are able to say hello, if you're able to love God and love others, which is all of us, Please speak to Rochelle about joining the welcome team. Uh, next, kids and tweens. Eric and Asher, if you could stand. So, I think they got the biggest round of applause, of appreciation for all parents. So Eric and Asher lead our kids team now. This is such an important job in helping us, who are parents, to point our children towards Jesus. So again, there are lots of roles in the kids and the tweens. You do not have to be a kind of child's entertainer. You can serve just by helping or the worship team or the check-in, and they have a huge requirement for people on their team. So please speak to Eric and Asher, and this is a great opportunity for anybody who is praying that God would give them more patience. So Eric and Asher to join the kids' work team. Next up, Anish. Now, like I've said, most areas you'll receive training and you don't need any level of talent for necessarily to serve. Anish leads the worship team. So actually, hopefully there's some level of musical talent. You don't want me leading worship any, any Saturday afternoon, but please speak to Anish if you have some level of musical talent. Um, he'll do a kind of X Factor style audition. He's got a red button. Um, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. It will be a very nice audition. He will either gently let you down or he will welcome you into bringing glory to Jesus in that way. Next up, I think that's everybody who's here in the room. Another area of service I'd like to highlight is the events team, which is led by Sam, whose face is there. So Sam isn't here, but she will be with us next week. So please reach out to Sam or email us at the usual place if you want to join the events team. So every time we have an event, Sam is... Uh, kind of leads uh, the kind of the, the, the logistics and the decorations and the setup of those events. So if you've got an eye for logistics, please consider the events team. Um, and then we have a visuals team that is led by Debbie. 
So again, if you see Debbie, please speak to her. She does all these visuals. If you're here today, then speak to Natalie because she's sat there in the corner. So everybody look at Natalie, make her feel slightly embarrassed. And then finally, uh, Youth, which is led by Josh, who is currently upstairs. Now, <laughs> I asked him for a photo. I wasn't specific. Now, I think... He is showing us how he shepherds our young people. I assume that was the imagery he was going for. So Josh leads the youth team. Um, and again, if you would like to be involved in showing our young people about Jesus, then please contact Josh. He's upstairs. If you want a sensible conversation, I'm sure Millie, his wife, would happily talk to you as well. Okay. I'm going to now pray, and then the worship team will come and lead us. I don't think they need people to help, but thank you. <laughs> Caroline leads the social media team, but they're not looking for anyone to help, so um, don't worry about that. But this is Caroline if you want to see her. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have served us. Going to the cross, Lord Jesus, we can now enter into the presence of the Father. We can know restoration. pray, Father, that you would turn our hearts into hearts that desire to bring glory to you, Lord. Help us, Lord, as we seek to serve, to love, and to, to, to show those around us the love that you have poured out to us. I pray this morning, Lord, that you'd be provoking our hearts to, to serve you more, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that that would be in order to bring glory to you. Thank you.